For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. John 3.16. That is the verse that we started off this series with. Other 3.16s. And we started there because it is such a powerful scripture. And it sits at the center of our faith for so many. But we wanted to notice that it is not the only 3.16 in our scripture that is powerful. So we have gone through several others. We started in John. Then we went to Malachi, 1 John, James, and today we are ending our series looking at powerful scriptures that end with 3.16 in the book of Philippians. So Philippians 3.16 is what we are looking at today. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Philippians 3.16 says, only let us live up to what we have already attained attained. Church, I want to, we're going to go through a lot of scriptures today. You're in church, so I hope you're prepared to go through some scripture today. We're going to start a little ahead of this verse, and we're going to go on and move past it, but I want you to know from the start that this is what we are talking about. Only let us live up to what we have already attained, and I want to say this from the start. I'm talking to the Christians today. This message is for the people in the room who have already attained something. Because you have something, don't you? You have salvation in Jesus Christ. You have attained it. It is yours. And now we're going to be talking about how do you live up to it? How do you live up to that which you have already attained? Now that's not to say if you have not already accepted Jesus into your life, if you are not a Christian. I'm not saying there's nothing here for you, but this scripture... When Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, do you know who he was talking to? He was talking to the Christians. He was talking to the church, the people who were already committed followers, because there is still, and we know it, there are still places we need to grow. Pastor Andy started this series by taking us through John 3.16, and he did it kind of a few words at a time, and I love that. I've actually been doing that in my personal quiet time, my devotional time. I'll read a sort of a passage of scripture and then I'll write about it. And then I'll read a little more. And then I'll write about it. And then I'll read a little. And it's been so refreshing. It's really breathed new life into my devotional time. If you were looking for something to kind of freshen it up, I suggest you try it. But I love that so much. And so today we're going to be going through kind of a verse at a time. Looking to what each verse has, holds for us, and how they build. How they build. Church, would you join me in prayer today? God, we do thank you so much for sending your son Jesus for us. We thank you for that gift of salvation that we have already attained through him. God, we invite you to be here with us today. We know that you have something for us, Lord, and we want to be open to receive it, God. We invite your spirit in your name. Amen. All right, church, we're going to start in verse 15, just before verse 16. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Philippians 3, 15. And we're going to read along. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. There's a word in there that I want to focus on today. I'm going to read that one one more time. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. 
I love that word mature. Maturity is what we're talking about with this first verse. Because you see, we are talking today about your response. You have said yes to Jesus becoming the Lord of your life, to becoming a Christian person, but that we are talking what comes after that. We are talking about your response, and we are talking about a mature response, a developed response. Maturity that has come from wisdom, that has come from experience. That is what we are talking about today, because church... I'm going to say a couple of words that I think a lot of us don't like to hear a lot, but that are really important for following Jesus. Words that our culture teaches us to kind of push against. One would be expectations, and another would be responsibilities. Right? Pastor Andy taught just last week when we went over the slogans of several companies. The world's message to us is your life is about you. Don't worry about anybody else. What do you want? Right? And we weren't trying to pick on any company in particular, but instead to talk about our culture in general. What is the message that we are hearing almost every day? And that is, your life's about you. Do what, you, do what makes you happy. Right? And so when we come to the scripture and we learn that there might be expectations on our lives, we go, wait a minute. I don't like that. <laughs> you have stuff you want me to do? You have a way you want me to be? We push against that. But it's here. Because the truth is, church, there is a higher calling. And there is a higher expectation for those of you who have received this gift. There is. Following Jesus, yes, there is that great gift, that great reward. But now, what are you going to do with that gift that you have been given? There's a story, there's a parable in the Bible that Jesus tells, and I just, I'm going to summarize it for you, but it comes to my mind when I'm thinking about this, this, this sense of higher expectation, a higher responsibility that comes with following after Jesus. So there's a parable of a master with servants, and he gives them some coins. So there's a master, and he has, uh, we'll say, three servants, and, he, and um, well, the Bible says three servants. I don't need to make that up. It's in there. Three servants. And he's about to leave. And he says, all right, I'm heading out. I've got this money, and I need you to watch over it. So to the first, he gives five. He says, all right, here's five. To the next, he gives two. To the next, he gives one. He says, guys, I'm leaving. I'll be back. He leaves. And after a time, he returns. He goes to that servant he gave five to. And he says, all right, I gave you the five. How'd it go? And that servant says, listen, it went great. I am so excited to tell you this. I took that five that you gave me. Okay, I took that, and I turned it into ten. And the master's going, yes, that's what I'm talking about. I gave you five, you turned it into ten. Yes, good. All right, who's next? I'm feeling good. He goes, all right, two. You gave me two. It wasn't as much as the five, but I tell you what, I doubled it. I also doubled it. Now you got four. And the master's, okay, yes. I gave you two. I trusted you with that. You turned it into four. Very good. And he goes to the last one and says, all right, I gave you the one. I trusted you with a little. How did it go? And he goes, well, I mean, I didn't want to lo lose it. I didn't want 
I didn't want to mess up, so I just buried it. So here's one. You gave me one, I'll give you back one. And when Jesus tells this story, like, it's pretty clear who missed it, right? Like, it's pretty clear who's the guy that messed up on this one, because immediately after that, the scripture says, if you can be trusted with little, then you will be trusted with much. And so for so many of us, this verse comes to us, you know, maybe at different points in our lives, but God has trusted you with something. And that's what we're talking about today, your response. You have been given this gift, and you have been trusted with something precious. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Today, we're talking about living up to what we have already attained. And so we're going to look at verse 16. Listen, we have this. <laughs> we do this in children's church, right? Like We have a memory verse. We repeat it over and over. You're going to hear me say this verse 30 times today. You're going to walk out. You're going to be able to say it in your sleep. I was in preschool just last week. Our scripture, our memory verse for like these five weeks is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's what I taught the preschoolers. It got to the point, we were, we were doing our coloring page, and I would, all I would have to do is say, John, and they'd finish the rest. <laughs> they would just shout it out. We're coloring. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world he gave his one and only son. John 3, 16. That's my approach today. So if you hear this verse 30 times, I'm sorry, you need to hear it. So verse 16 says, Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Now there's something here we have to get right before we go any further, and that is this. You are not earning anything. You are not earning anything. That is not what we are talking about today. You are not earning anything. Listen, you can't. The cost was too high. The price was such that only God could pay it with his son, Jesus. So when we are talking about living up to what you have already attained, we're talking about something very different. There is a gift you have been given. You took the step. You said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow after you. I receive that gift. We are talking about living as if you actually believe you have received that gift. As if you actually believe that there is freedom that you now have. Are you living like you believe it? There's this um, kind of a simple analogy that I like to think about with this. And it's, okay, follow me here. It's, we have like a couple ways that we can be paid in this society, right? Like maybe you work hourly. So if you work three hours, you get paid for three hours. You work 40 hours, you get paid for 40 hours. Your pay is directly related to what you have done. You have earned it. But we also have salary. You have a salary. You have signed the contract, you've made the agreement, you took the job, you will get the check. Now you just have to do the job. Now you just have to say, all right, I took this job, now you gotta live up to the job that you have taken, right? So it's a simple way, but it's a, it's a simple way of explaining it, but like, if it's hard to understand, because listen, I, I say this because I know that there are a lot of people who get trapped in a way of living where they are striving to earn their salvation. And I wish they could just be free of that. And say, you can't. Please stop striving. If you're striving to earn, you're missing it. You're spinning your wheels. You're never going to get there. But there is a higher call. We have taken the job. We have said yes. So now we've got to live up to it. Let's read verse 17. 
Philippians 3, verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. I'm going to read it again. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. I love this because Paul says, all right, here is the goal. Here is the challenge that I lay before you. You need to live up to what you have attained. And you know what? Let me help you get there. Who are you imitating? Do you have mentors in your life? Are there people that you could point to? If I asked you and you could say, that person, they have got something figured out that I just don't know yet. And I want to know. That person has something in their relationship with Jesus Christ that I don't have yet and I want it. Do you have those people in your life? Because if you are trying to live up to this on your own strength, you will fail. It's too hard. You need to have examples to look up to to say, okay, they've been through it and they know and they can advise you. And you can pick up, just catch little things from the way they live their life. Now, I was scrolling through Facebook the other day in this video, uh, scroll by a teaching video by Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church, and I'm going to just communicate to you part of what he said because it was so important for this message. So we're looking at Proverbs 13.20. Proverbs 13.20. Don't miss this. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. What does he not say? He does not say, interview the wise. He does not say, read the book of the wise. Right? He doesn't say, check in every once in a while with the wise. He says, walk with the wise. And you will become wise. Live life. Do life, the daily stuff. Surround yourself with the wise. People that you can point to and say, they've got something that I want. And so I'm going to spend all the time I can with them until I get it. If you're looking to live up to what you have already attained, you need examples. You need to have someone who you can look up to because what's going to happen otherwise? For a companion of fools suffers harm. I can't be the only one in the room who's hung out with fools before. Come on, you know where it leads. Harm. It leads to harm. It's just true. It's true. That's where it goes. And so we need to surround ourselves, walk, do life along with the wise. My, there's a small group that meets at my house every Thursday for the young adults of the church. And we were going through this text, and it was cool because they took it another step further. A step further I hadn't, I hadn't yet thought about as we were reading it. And they said, you know, yes, we got to be thinking about who am I surrounding myself? Who am I looking up to? But at the same time, in the same breath, you cannot ignore the fact that somebody else is imitating you. That someone else is looking up to you. That someone else is taking their cues from you on how to move through this life. What are you showing them? What are you revealing to them about how to live? How to be a Christian? Church, this is heavy stuff, but it is true. 
There is a higher expectation on our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. You've been given a gift. What are you doing with it? And it comes back to maturity, doesn't it? This is a mature response. A response that says, you know what? This whole thing isn't just about me. This whole life isn't just about me. That It is about everyone around me and the work that God is doing in everyone's life. Let's look at verse 18. Philippians 3, verse 18. For I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Did you know that you could be an enemy of the cross? An enemy, a foe in direct opposition to the cross of Christ. If that doesn't weigh on you a little bit, I don't know, maybe you didn't hear. There was a man here a few weeks ago named Ron King who was teaching the staff, and there was something he was talking about the kingdom. It was incredible. A friend of the Rosebrocks. And he said, you know, at some point, you begin to realize that every action that you take in this life either contributes to the mission of the kingdom of heaven, or it doesn't. It either contributes to the work that God is doing in the world, or it goes against it. The reality of what we're trying to talk about is the reality of the stakes. The reality of the stakes. When you profess that you are a Christian, you follow after Jesus, that is great. But you can become an enemy of, a cross, of the cross if you do not try, strive to live up to this gift. If you do not answer to the call of those higher responsibilities. You can actually be an enemy to the mission of the kingdom on earth. And before we move from verse 18, I got it. There's three words in here that I have, I'm, I have to highlight before we can go any further, and that is, even with tears. For as I often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I think what we see here is the heart of our Father. God's heart breaks for us. Paul's heart here was breaking for those Christians who had gone astray. He's saying to them, please, listen, I know the fullness of life that you are missing out on. I know how much better things can be. Please, stop. Stop living for yourself and turn back to the ways of God. I know what you're, mi I know what you're missing. Please. God pleads for us, right? He comes after us. And not in a controlling way. This is not a burden. It's an invitation. Please come be a part of this. I don't need to use examples, but I'm sure that you can think of times in your life where you've thought or been with a loved one and you just wanted to say, or maybe you did say, please stop this. Can't you see the harm that this is causing in your life and others? Please just stop. It doesn't have to be this way. Right? We've been there. You know what that looks like. You know how your heart is broken for them. And that is where God comes to us here in this scripture that God's heart is broken for us. Live up to it, church. 
God has something bigger and better for you. Let's look ahead to verse 19. Philippians 3, verse 19. Church has got to get a little worse before it can get better. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Their God is their stomach. That phrase has stuck in my mind. That visual of a person who's God. That thing that they put above and prioritize above all else. Their loyalty is to their stomach. Their allegiance, their service is to their stomach. They are being led by, at all times, their stomach. And what does that mean? It means that they are always consuming things that are just in line with their own personal desires. I get up today and I'm going to do what I want. And their whole life is steered this way. But we have to understand the stakes because where does that lead? Their destiny is destruction. You want to live that way? You are free to do so. Let it never be said that it was not clear where it leads. It's right there. It is clear. You live for yourself. Their destiny is destruction. Those are the stakes. It's the reality of our situation. It's the reality of our lives, church. Don't let your God be your stomach. There's a part in Scripture, and I want to address this right here, you know, because we could say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible say that God wants to give me the desires of my heart, right? That's in there. It is in there. It's not the whole thing, though, right? There's a lot more that surrounds that. So when the Bible says that God wants to give you the desires of your heart, there is more. I want to read for you. You can turn there and read along with me. Psalms 37. How many of you like the Psalms? The Psalms are good. The Psalms are good. I'm going to read, read along, or you can just listen. Um, you can just listen along. We're going to read one through nine Psalms, and this is going to address. This is going to address this distinction. Yes, God wants to grant you the desires of your heart. So here, listen, listen along. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil, for those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. You see, there is a stark difference between a person whose God is their belly, who are being led by their own selfish desires, and someone whose trust is in the Lord, who is delighting 
in the Lord, who has committed to the Lord. God will grant you the desires of your heart when those desires are in line with his promises. You see, the gift of salvation comes to all who ask, right? You want to receive Jesus? You say, God, come into life. Be my Lord and Savior. I believe. And God says, yes, it's yours. But if you want to experience the continued blessings and favor of God in your life, well, church, that comes from living faithfully. That comes from living up to what you have already attained. You get salvation just by asking and believing. You want to live that life of favor and blessing, that life in line with God's purpose. That comes with living faithfully, with lining your heart up with the heart of the Father. That's where it comes from. Like, it's just true. That's where it comes from. I want to read, and this just, I love how this ends. We're going to read the last two verses, 20 and 21, together. Philippians 3, 20 through 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Are you living like a citizen of heaven, of a kingdom that is now here and, and coming and it's on the way? Are you a citizen? Which means the question is, who is your king? Who are you looking to for guidance, for protection, for leadership, for inspiration, for celebration? What's the source? When you have received that gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, that's yours. But are you living as a citizen of the kingdom that you have said you belong to? Are you a citizen? Church, would you pray me? Pray with me today. God. God, today we ask that you would give us the boldness and the strength to live up to that which we have already attained, that gift of salvation. We thank you for sending your son Jesus by which we get to be saved and spend eternity in heaven with you. And God, today we ask that you would help us to receive that gift and to live up to that gift, Lord, and to be stewards of your kingdom with you as our king, God. Lord, be with us. In your precious and holy name, amen. Amen. This is not my home. This is just my place where I am until I get to heaven. And until I'm at that place, I'm going to tell people about the loving kindness of my Lord Jesus Christ and how their home can be heaven as well. You might look at this whole thing and go, man, I am far. I am far from being a citizen of heaven. In fact, I might be someone that is going somewhere else. It, here's the thing, though. Here's the great thing. You're not as far as you think. You're not as far as you think you are from God. People think, 
man, I've done so many bad things. Why would God love me? Why would God want me? And we, we think we're, we're just not close at all. But we're way closer than we think we are. Just, just on every Friday, my wife and I, we take a walk together. And this Friday, she tricked me into a three-mile walk. Um, I thought it was going to be a little bit shorter, but she was like, and you know, we parked, we walked downtown, we were walking around town, and anyways, then it being a little bit longer, I thought, but in the middle of it, I was thinking to myself, I was thinking, I'm going to keep going because I know at the end what's coming. At the end was cabin fever, and I got myself a hot caramel apple cider. So I kept my eyes focused on that. But here's the thing. When we, when we think about, you know, we were still, we were still a mile and a half away from getting that hot caramel apple cider. And I thought to myself, I could just call somebody and have them come pick me up. I could end up there anyways. You may look at your life and you may look at yourself and say, I'm far from God. You just don't need to keep walking though. Don't keep going. What you need to do is surrender. Instead of keep going and thinking you can do it yourself and thinking you can get yourself to your citizenship in heaven, you can't. Your citizenship is not based around what you do. It's all based around what God did and what Jesus did on the cross for you and how he rose again. Your salvation is simply in you saying, I surrender my all to you. I give you my life. That's what makes you a citizen of heaven. So instead of thinking you just keep going, working harder, just keep walking, just keep swimming, whatever it is, like Dory says, instead of that, we stop, we surrender and say, God, you have this life. I'm following you. I want to encourage you today. You're not that far. See, it's not that far. You can stop wherever you're at in your road. If you're, if you're a mile and a half away, just stop and surrender. If you're, if you just begin in the journey, stop and surrender. It's as simple as that. It's not that far away. And that's a really encouraging thing, at least maybe for somebody in this room. I hope it is. You're not as far as you think you are from God. God is right here. And if you stop right now and surrender your all, Citizenship is yours in heaven. Let's stand together, church. Let's bow our heads. This morning, if you're in the room and you've never given your life to Jesus, and you look at yourself and you say, I'm pretty far from Jesus, and I come to this realization, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Today's the day I'm going I'm to surrender everything. I'm going to give myself to him I would like you to just lift your hand I'd like to lead you in a prayer anybody in the room who says Sean I want to give my life to Jesus I want to surrender my all to him today I don't see any hands now is there anybody in the room who says Sean sometime along the road I was following Jesus and I was doing really good but then I just kind of went off in my own way and I, I, need, I need to re-surrender my life to him. I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. If that's you, I'd like to pray with you as well. Can you lift your hand and I'll pray with you. I see one. Anybody else? I see another. I see a couple hands there. Prayer team, could you come forward? You who raised your hand, I would love for you in this moment to mean this with everything in your heart. This isn't just a prayer that you're going to say some words and, and nothing's going to change. I believe God is going to work inside of you and God's going to do uh, a change inside of you today. You're going to feel a difference today. I believe it. 
If you, if you raise your hand there, I want you to say this prayer. In church, I want everybody to say this prayer after me. Repeat after me. Say, Father, I thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Make me like you. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that this day forward, I will follow you. Jesus is Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations to those people this morning. We're excited for you, we're excited for you. Before we go though, can we do this? Can we bow our heads one more time? I know through life we hit hardships, we hit hard times where we just need people to pray with us and we wanna give an opportunity I want to give you an opportunity. This morning, if you're in this room and you, and you need healing, maybe you, your family is going through a hard time and you need some restoration in the home, the list is long of what maybe could be going on. Maybe you're going through some financial situations where you just need God to break through for you in the financial. Whatever it is, if you have a prayer need today, I just want you to lift your hand and I want to pray for you. If you have a prayer need, just lift your hand in the air. I want to pray for you. God, there are many hands that are lifted right now. You see the need, God, and you died for that, and I believe that you are going to bring healing to bodies today. God, I pray for those who need healing in the body. I pray from the top of the head to the soles of the feet, God, you bring complete restoration to their bodies. God, I pray any sickness would go away in the name of Jesus. God, I also want to pray for families, broken homes, God, maybe families who are dealing with some, some hard times. God, I pray for restoration. I pray for you to bring healing, and I pray that forgiveness would be plentiful in the home. God, I pray that you would do miracles in the homes. God, I pray if it's for, if it's for financial breakthrough, God, we pray that you would, you would meet all of our needs. Would you meet every need of the, of the people of the church, God? We pray that you continually pour out blessings on us. Lord, I thank you for the people of the church. I pray that they would know that they are loved by you, and God, that there are people that are standing with them right now. Thank you for hearing us and for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you raise your hand for